0: That's up to $125 off. Just visit armwire.style slash minimalish. That's armwire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash minimalish to get up to 50% off your first month. And never worry about what to wear again. Try Armwire today.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: Welcome to With Intention. I'm your host, Desiree, and this podcast has seen a few changes over the years. But through it all, it has always been a podcast focused on living our days with intention. It has always been a podcast focused on the things that matter because life is full. It's full of the ordinary, the mundane, the hard, and of course, the beautiful and good things. But if we're not careful, we can fill up our days with things that matter less and miss what matters most. So each week, we'll talk about things like motherhood, intentional living, our homes, our work, minimalism and living with less, taking care of ourselves and everything in between. But most of all, we'll focus on real everyday life, real conversations about how we can find good in the ordinary and how we can live out each day with purpose, and intention. Let's get to today's episode. Hi friend, welcome back to With Intention. I'm your host, Desiree, and I am so happy you're here today. Today I have an interview to share with you that I did a while ago, and I just finally am getting it out to the podcast here, and I listened back to it as I was editing it the other day, and I just remember this being one of my favorite interviews ever, The only reason it hasn't gotten to you yet is just because in the craziness of last year, I didn't get many podcast episodes out, but I needed to hear it again as I was editing it. I really believe that this interview today will meet you where you are and give you encouragement to living purposefully and leaning into the things that matter most. My guest today is Patrice Washington, and she is a number one best-selling author, a speaker, and hope-restoring coach to women who want to do good work in the world. While she is a financial expert, her philosophy looks a lot different than your typical financial expert, and what she spends time talking about isn't necessarily always budgeting and finances, but the things that deeply matter in our lives. So if that all sounds confusing, we will dig into that in this interview. So you'll learn all about it. But basically, today's episode is not about finances. And I want to make that clear. Today's episode is truly about purpose. It's about purpose. It's about work. It's about finding purpose in whatever work you do. And if you're quote unquote, work is not work in the traditional sense. Just know that this episode is still 100% for you. I was so encouraged by Patrice when I first talked to her. And I was 100% encouraged by her again, as I went through and edited this episode. And I even told myself that once I published it, I am listening to it in the car on my next commute because it is truly that good and I just learned so much from her and like I said, it's something that I need right now, a message that I need right now, and it's a message that I needed several months ago when we did this interview. I want to get to this right away, but before we do, I just want to let you know that I have a free resource that helps you dig into all things minimalism and intentional living. And I think that this is a great episode to remind you that I have that free resource on because one of the things Patrice and I talk about is space and how having a peaceful space is so important to the way that we live the rest of our lives. That's not necessarily what we focus on in this episode, but I did want to offer this free resource to help you if you are wanting to declutter, wanting to dive more into what is minimalism all about, what could it look like for my life, and even the idea of intentional living, taking minimalism one step further into intentional living. With that said, if you want to grab that free resource, it is kind of like a short ebook slash guide, and you can get it at Desireeendries.com slash making room. It's slash making room. All right. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. Let's dive into my conversation with Patrice. Okay, I'm so excited to have Patrice Washington on the podcast today. Um Patrice, before we dive in, we're gonna talk about a lot of things. So much that you do um, is just so life giving, I think, to the women that that you share your heart with. And before we kind of dive into all of the topics um, that you're passionate—maybe not all of them—we won't be able to get to all of them, <laughs> but a lot of them. Um, some of the topics you're most passionate about. Could you just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So. My name is Patrice Washington again, and for many years, people knew me as just a finance expert. Um, and so I have this resume that reads like a rap sheet, which I'm very proud of, but the truth is the only reason that I show up and serve the way that I do is because of my own testimony. So yes, I did four years on nationally syndicated radio with Steve Harvey. Um, I've been featured on, I mean, in Cosmopolitan, Essence Magazine, like I've done all the things, but my heart is really for everyday women like myself who had gone through like financial turmoil in some form or fashion um, and were just trying to rebuild their lives. So I call myself now a Hope Restoring Coach because I wanna be the poster child for, you know, someone who filed bankruptcy and had a seven figure business, but was at the point of scraping up change and applying for welfare and food stamps and all the things that someone like me from South Central Los Angeles with that experience, those experiences, could turn around and completely rebuild their life. And not because they were chasing money, not because they were just so focused on credit reports and budgets. Um, My life changed when I went through that really difficult season during the recession and I finally embraced my purpose, like my God-given gifts and what I feel I was purposed to do. And so my mantra now at Redefining Wealth, um, my podcast and platform is chase purpose, not money. So who I am is a woman that's really passionate about helping people not find their purpose, but embrace the purpose that's already there on their lives using their God-given gifts um, and earn more in the marketplace without feeling like they have to chase and hustle and grind and no sleep and all the things um, that's so popular in culture. So I'm still known as a finance expert, but my take is a little different. I study financial psychology and behavioral finance. And so I look for ways to help people improve their finances by actually not talking about money that much at all. <laughs> it's sneaky. It's very sneaky, but it works.
0: <laughs> I love that. Um, and and that's kind of what we're going to do today, I think. Uh, we're not going to really focus in on on the topic of finances that much, we're kind of going to talk about purpose. And I want to hear your definition of wealth. So we're going to dive right into that. One thing I want to do first, because we're going to talk a little bit about work, we're going to talk um, purpose and work, and especially as parents, I want to hear like, what is your day look like? Because you do a lot. Like you said, you do the podcast, you do um, yeah. free, like, you have so much content that you put out there online. Yeah. Um, a lot of like, just so much that you do to serve women. So I want to hear like, what are your, what do your days look like? Your work situation, um, your family, that type of thing.
1: What a great question. So every day is different, right? Um, Just based on what's going on on the calendar, every day is different. So I do try to give myself a lot of grace. I used to be very rigid with routines, but now I call myself a, you know, I consider myself to be more spirit led. I have a framework that I use, but I'm flexible as well so that I don't have that, I should have done more at the end of the day feeling. you know. Um, But typically I wake up with no alarm clock in the six o'clock hour. I usually head straight to my prayer room. I spend time in prayer, meditation, journaling, sometimes just sitting. Sometimes honestly, I fall back asleep, but I made it in there. Um, (laughs) It just depends on what my spirit needs in that moment. And then now I have a now high schooler which is so weird. It's so weird to say I have a 14 year old child, but I have a now high schooler who gets dropped off about eight o'clock. And when I drop her off, I head straight to the gym and take care of what I call the fit pillar. Uh, I do believe that if we have a vision for our lives, we have a responsibility to protect the only vessel we get. So I go to the gym and work out and do my thing for about an hour. And then I come back home and usually start my work day by like 10 a.m. And I work from about 10 to 4. I'm very big on blocking time. So every day is different because on certain days I do certain activities. Um, But I try to be laser focused and present to my work so that when my daughter is home from school, I can be present with her listening to all the ninth grade drama over at the high school. Um, and then in the evenings, I'm usually spending time with my family. Um, and, and I have to say this has progressed because there was a season for me where I thought because I worked from home, I was present enough. So I didn't always practice being present in the presence of my loved ones. I felt like, oh, they see me, right? Um, and I know for the moms, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my daughter would tell really long stories when she was <laughs> little, right? There's just the never-ending, and then and then and then and I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie, I used to tune out. I used to just be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there was one day I was scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or something. My daughter was about six or seven, and she's telling one of those long-winded stories, and I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I'm smiling. And she said, "Why are you? Why are you um, smiling? This is not a good story, mom." And I was like, oh, it just hit me very hard in that moment that I thought because I was in her presence, that was enough. But she wanted me to be present with her and listen to the story. I have learned to tell her land the plane. So we're good now with the stories. <laughs> but, right, um, so my, my day has evolved because I used to let the work day go on and on and on. And think that as long as she was sitting across from me doing her homework and I was doing my work, that it was all good, but I wasn't really being present. And so for the last several years, I really make an effort to end the workday around the time she's really done with homework, which is about 630 at the latest, um, if I still have stuff to do. And then I just spend time with her watching TikTok and laughing. And that's our, and we eat dinner around seven something. and. And then I hang out with my husband after my daughter's tired of us. After she's tired of both of us, we just hang out, and that's that's pretty much it. That's what my day looks like. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's so it's just a
0: helpful insight. I love hearing um, what other women like who are working from home, um, what their days look like, and just in general. You know, we all have different days, different rhythms to our days. Something that I think is so relatable um, to others who might work from home or to others who maybe you know, work part-time from home, whatever it looks like. A lot of us got sent home, right, last year in 2020, Mm -hmm. uh, whether even if that wasn't your norm. And just that fact of being actually present, not just Mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, not just our presence of being home, but being actually present. And I have struggled with that. I've worked from home, you know, as a creative, but then now I work from home as a teacher, um, a virtual teacher. And wow. either way, both times, like I've, I've struggled to turn it off at a certain time. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and and really, I think we all want that. We all want to be present with our family. We all want to give intentional time to our families.
1: Can I tell you how, how this connects to wealth though? This yes, please what I do. Learned. So we talk about the people pillar and creating relationships that matter. And I realized that for a long time when I would be on tour or just, you know, going off to do my thing, I carried a lot of mom guilt, right? It, it, because there were times that I was missing the gymnastics, you know, finale and I was missing the play. or I was missing this because I had this great opportunity to go shoot something in New York or, you know, any number of things. And I would carry this guilt. And what I saw happen as I became more present in her presence, as I started to put the phone down when she was speaking, um, when I would put the phone away and everyone drop it over here on the counter when we're eating and those types of things, the mom guilt started to literally melt away because she felt so much more confident when I was leaving. It wasn't like a, Mom's going again. It was like, mom, go do your thing. Because we had spent so much more quality time together. And I realized that me focusing on my people pillar and being present with my family when I was home, it actually gave us both, I think, more peace and more confidence. And it allowed me to go out and be fully present when I was working too. Not working and then thinking, oh my gosh, Uh. Are they upset with me? Do they feel some kind of way? And, you know, I would speak at a lot of colleges and you'd have young girls, you know, come up to me. Oh, Mrs. Washington, I just, thank you so much. That was so good and da-da-da. And I'm like, that's awesome, but I don't want to be a public success and a private failure. I don't want other little girls out there in the world to look up to me and my daughter actually despise my calling, like what I'm called to do in the marketplace. And so being more present Um, allows me to actually be better when I go out because now I'm there. I'm fully immersed in what I'm doing. I'm showing up. I'm present. And I don't have that guilt that's kind of nagging in the background. And I feel like that's really been helpful in terms of how I've continued to build my career over the last several years. I've showed up as a better version of me. Maybe other people couldn't tell, but in the background, I was showing up very full, you know?
0: Yep. I love that. And I can, you know, the, that mom guilt, any any mom deals with that. But then when, you know, when we go to work, it's definitely something that, that it's like a different type of mom guilt that we deal with. Um, I want to hear more about this idea of two things. I wanna hear your definition of wealth um, and I want you to share that. And I also would love to hear more about the pillars because you've talked about the fit pillar, you talked about the people pillar. So could you just explain um, both of those things a little bit?
1: Sure, so my definition of wealth is what the original definition of wealth was. So before we became consumed with this idea that wealth was just money and material possessions, There was an original version. There was the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so I define wealth as me being well. If I'm not well, I'm not wealthy. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank. The condition of being well is about fulfillment and contentment and happiness. And so I'm always looking to filter my experience through that. Am I well? Like, do I feel well genuinely? Not someone's asking me how I am, and I'm like, it's okay, I'm okay, right? <laughs> Not the just automatic answer, but like, am I well? And I'm I'm running that through the lens of, am I well in these different areas of my life? And so, what I now have is the six pillars of wealth, which is what I teach from at Redefining Wealth. And so, we talked about fit, which is the con- um, we talked about fit, which is becoming your best self. Um, and that's both mentally and physically. It's not just about going to the gym. And I just want to be clear, ladies, I'm not talking about a, a number on the scale. I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I'm also the healthiest I've ever been. I'm not talking about a dress size. I remember when I thought I looked so good in my little, you know, skin tight dresses and I could barely breathe. I literally was running out, uh, running out of breath, right? Going up the stairs not even realizing that my hemoglobin levels were so low that I was in need of a blood transfusion in my early thirties. Had no idea because I was on my hustle and grind building my business. And I thought because I was in purpose that I could ignore the signs, right? And a lot of us do that. Um, And so, and it's also about being mentally fit. One of the things that I have learned on this journey, and this is not my original quote, but I love it so much, our business, our, our finances, they will only grow to the extent we're willing to heal. And I know for myself that there were times that I was self-sabotaging my financial success because of childhood trauma. And the truth is, for many of us, we think it's getting another degree or you know getting a new job or getting the raise or promotion. And it's like, nope, there's probably some things in your background that you, you gotta be honest about and deal with so it can stop dealing with you. right? So that's the fit pillar. And then we have people pillar. It's about creating relationships that matter both personally and professionally. A big takeaway there is that, especially professionally, what I teach people, there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. But who are they watching you be? Like, how are they watching you show up? A lot of the opportunities that I've had, I've never pitched, I've never asked for. Um, it was me being who I was called to be and being why, which is why we say being present is so important, right? And someone advocating on my behalf. And sometimes we think we have to force or push or manipulate things when really maybe we just need to honor the relationships we already have and do a better job at taking care of them. Um, And then there's the space pillar. We talk about uh, setting up your life to support you. And that's one of my favorites because I don't think we realize how much time we waste. Um, Looking for things we already own, but can never find, and just not making sure that our the energy in our space is really set up for us to be our most creative and productive selves, um, which, like you were talking about, we were at home and faced with our stuff, right, dealing yeah. with our clutter, <laughs> dealing with all our things, it usually going to work would be an escape you don't have to deal with it. you can walk by the pile of laundry you know, for five days and just pick through and get what you want. But all of a sudden, when you're in that space 24-7 in a lockdown, you're like, oh my gosh, this is annoying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so those things sometimes, though, threaten um, to consume our energy. And so that's energy that could be used to be going towards something that would help you create wealth in your life. Um, and then we have the faith pillar. It's about believing in something greater don't really care what you say you believe in. My whole thing is, if you say you believe in something, make time to practice it because life is coming, right? Whether you like it or not, life is coming. It's not a matter of if, it's when. And I believe that a lot of people give up too soon because they don't have something that they can lean on that will help them move through resistance as it comes. I, I believe that greatness requires you to expect resistance. It's coming but what is your process for moving through it? And for me, that's been rooted in my faith. My resilience has been rooted in my faith. And then there's the work pillar that's all about purpose, living your life's purpose. I believe that when you know your purpose, um, actually when you embrace it, when you allow yourself to embrace what your purpose to do, it's so much easier for you to set your priorities. A lot of times, you know, when we're not certain of what we should be doing, it creates a void and people try to fill it with stuff. So now we use money to buy things to fill the void, or we try to buy people, um, you know, giving, giving, giving to the point of your own detriment, or you're the friend always paying for everything when you go out to the restaurant, but you're holding your breath secretly, hoping that the car goes through, um, but that's usually because there's a void somewhere probably in what you're actually called to do, and then the very last pillar is money, and I think that the reason I know that the reason that I put it last is because. For years, I worked with people one-on-one as a financial management consultant and I would help people work through their basic personal finance challenges. And the truth is, I could say all the things about get this account and do this thing and here's how you budget and here's how, and they didn't have the capacity to receive it if they were being blocked, right? By clutter and all these other pillars. And so once people start to identify the pillar that is probably a challenge for them, and they move that mental clutter out the way, all of a sudden the things that your big mama had been telling you your whole life all of a sudden makes sense, right? <laughs> the, advice, the advice your mom tried to give you 10 years ago, all of a sudden it makes sense. It's not that it's rocket science or so difficult. You don't have the space to receive it yet because your life is cluttered with other stuff
0: yeah i I love all of those, and this podcast used to be called minimalish actually, so I used to that was the main topic is just like decluttering and it's it's so needed to have a space that is set up to not distract you constantly right um and I love the other pillars I love what you said about the uh fit pillar. I am a hundred percent with you there of just. I am right now also like on a journey of feeling my best but being my heaviest. And I can see you right now and you look great, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that. I saw your shoulder muscles. I'm like, yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> because I I have never felt better, but I'm eating well, you know, you're eating yeah. the food to fuel your body and lifting weight. At least that's what I like to do. And yeah, me too. things that fully empower you and allow your body to be in that place to go about your day, go about your purpose. Something I want to ask you about, too, is just this idea of chasing purpose and not money, mm-hmm. especially in when it comes to our work. So, you know, those pillars, I'm sure, is a, is a huge part of what that looks like. But if you want to go a little bit deeper into mm-hmm. what it looks like, like, what does a work life look like that is chasing purpose versus money? Because a lot of the reason that we often work as parents, like, mm-hmm. one of them might be passion, but some of us go to work because we have to, right? The money. Yeah. So what does it look like then to pursue passion
1: versus money? Oh, good question. So for my definitions, I'll say this first. Um, I'm not one of those people who believes, you know, follow your passion and the money will come. I've I've struggled with that for a long time because I realized early on that I was passionate about things that I was not proficient in. So just because I'm passionate doesn't mean you should pay me for it. Let's just be real. (laughs) Like, that's I sing in the shower every morning. Nothing you want to hear. Nothing you pay for, right? (laughs) But passionate about it. Um, I believe passion is for us. It's the thing that energizes and excites us, but purpose is for others. So when you can figure out how to take your gifts and use them to be of service to others and you find a way to monetize that in the marketplace, you're moving in purpose, but you're also making money. So Chase Purpose, not money, is is not like... I don't care about money. I'm a businesswoman. I run a seven-figure business. I clearly am okay with accepting money, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is, with Chase Purpose, Not Money, what I'm saying is pursue things that are purposeful from a place of faith, not fear. A lot of people make decisions about what they're gonna do, what they're gonna spend the majority of their life doing, right, we're at work, even from home, we're working more, you know, than we are living. (laughs) We're doing work, and so- How do you start to make choices that are rooted in faith, not fear, not, oh, this comes with this dollar amount, so I'll just go do that. Well, wait a minute. Is it in alignment with what you're even gifted to do? Is it in alignment with what feels right in your soul? Is it in alignment with the people that you feel most energized by serving? There's some other questions that you get to ask yourself before you say, oh, this comes with this dollar amount. I'm going to just do that. Because remember, when you just do that, that lack of fulfillment can still lead to financial mismanagement. That's why you find so many people making more money than they've ever made, and yet they feel brokeer than they ever have. They don't know where the money is going, why is this happening? They're in cycles of, of financial self-sabotage, but you're not, you're not doing purposeful work. You're working, and yes, we all need to work and earn a living, but do we have to do it doing things that, maybe you're not really in alignment with, with what we re- really should be doing and what we really want. And I also just want to say, I don't think chasing purpose is about being an entrepreneur. You know, I think a lot of times people hear that and they're like, oh, you want me to go start a business? No, you can be working in your purpose in your business or someone else's. It, it's, it's more so, are you doing that thing that fires you up, that you are, it, not just the passion, but that feels very connected to this sense of like, I should be serving in this way. Yes, I've had jobs, uh, Desiree, throughout the years, many years ago now, but I took jobs that were, had nothing to do with my purpose at all. I remember, um, this is a great example. Before I became the money maven of the Steve Harvey Show, I did that from 2014 to 2018. I met Steve when I was actually in college 19, I was an intern there. And then I became an associate producer on the show for a short period before I left to start my first business. Um, When I lost everything in the recession and I ended up in Atlanta on my brother's couch, I started to volunteer at these financial education nonprofits. I was like, if I can't um, get a job doing this, I still want to be in it. I just want to be in it, right? So I'm volunteering. And then I take some odd job that is paying me like $500 every two weeks. And these people are getting on my nerves. Let's just be (laughs) real. It's wearing me out. But it was paying $500 every two weeks. And, you know, along with my food stamps, I was making it happen. This is 2009 ish. I was making it happen. And Steve found out I was here. I still, people pillar, still kept in touch and had a great, you know, relationship and all that stuff. And they invited me to the office and they were offering me a job. And so I am driving. I knew they were going to offer me a job. I'm super excited. I'm like, yes, I need this, whatever it is, right? I'm driving there and the president of the company, of the nonprofit that I have been volunteering for calls me. And I'm like, hey, I'm on my way to a meeting. I thought they wanted me to come in and teach something. He's like, no, I just want to talk to you. Like, what do you do every day? Because I was like star volunteer, probably. I I volunteered like it was a job, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I had the time. So um, he's like, we have this position that's gonna become available and we think you'd be perfect for it. And he starts to read me the, the description and it's all about helping people with personal finance. And even though I had lost all my money in the recession, my mind wasn't bad. The way I built my first business was helping people with personal finance. I just never saw it as like, the thing. I just saw it as a means, you know, for the business. And so we're, I'm driving, I'm pulling up to Steve Harvey's office and I'm getting off the phone and he's like, The only thing is this job won't be ready for like nine months because we have to finish building this center. Nine months? That's a long time. Oh my gosh. And my family needs this. So I go in, I talk to Steve and his a manager at the time, my mentor, Rashawn, and they're breaking down what the job is going to be. And I'm listening. And I'm listening, and the more I listen, I'm thinking about the gentleman I just talked to and the job that he said was coming in nine months. And before they can even finish, I go, I can't take it. I, I the words fell out of my mouth. I was like, I, I just can't take it. And Steve, and true Steve Harvey, fascist said, "You broke, ain't you? Like, you know, <laughs> like how can you not take a job? Like, what do you mean?" And I'm like, I really feel like I'm called to help people with personal finance education and this would distract me from that. And they're like, "Are you serious? Like we're going to let you sleep on that because you don't know what you're saying." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "No. I I will go do odd jobs, but jobs that I can control, that won't take up all my time because this is where I'm feeling called to be." And That was 2009 or early 2010, somewhere around there. Long story short, I did not take the job. But when I came back to Steve's office the next time, I was coming back as Patrice Washington, the author, the person who had been out helping people with financial education. And what was supposed to be a one-time interview turned into me being the money maven of that show for four years, including his talk show. So I say that to say that was a choice rooted in faith, not fear. I needed the money. Don't get me wrong. We needed the money. I was not in a position to be turning down jobs, but that sense of, I have to follow my purpose and just trust that I'm moving in the right direction. It wasn't immediate money, but when I got to where I am, right, like when I got to the path that was really for me, it was worth it. And I knew that going to work for them meant I was going to give my life to it. Like I've worked with them before. It's a very intense situation when you're working with people of that notoriety and it wasn't going to be for me. It had been Steve's dream to see me work there. It wouldn't have been mine. And so ever since then, even now, I try to make choices from what feels right in my spirit, not what is the paycheck. And I've turned down tons of things over the last several years.
0: Yeah, I love that story. And I think that it is one that can relate to like so many situations because it's so easy to want to choose financial security first. Right. Um, I think that that is kind of like what the greater culture of (laughs) that we live in tells us to do of financial security is first and most important. You do what you got to do to, to get there or even beyond there and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, all of that climbing the ladder. I know, when there was a point in my life when I first had my daughter that my, uh, she's four now, but um, it was my part of what I felt purpose was to be home with her. And our family couldn't afford just me quitting my up and quitting my job, but I knew it like kept pulling on me. And so I ended up, I did so many different things during that time to be able to make money, but to also be home with her instead of being a full-time out-of-the-house teacher, which is what I was before she was born. So even, you know, that is a totally different situation. and It involves working less and being home, but just whatever purpose is pulling it at your heart, if we don't pursue that or explore that, what that looks like, then like you said, you know, the that fulfillment piece isn't there. And I just love how you talk about how like, then we have the in irresponsible finances that come after it. Sure, you're, you're choosing financial security, but you're not happy. So then you're buying more stuff. and To
1: make you happy, right? It's a yeah. never-ending cycle. It's a, yeah. a never-ending cycle. And I just want to be clear. I know it's not easy. Right. This is why we talk about the faith pillar. Right. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not easy to make that decision. It's not easy to say, you know what, I feel purposed right now in this season, I want to be at home with my child. And I gotta figure out how I can, you know, do both, how I can survive and still be home for whatever reason. And I don't know if in your experience you even found a time where you're like, This is why I'm here. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a scenario. For me, I'll give you another example. I was supposed to have like some huge book launch earlier this year. And I just kept feeling in my spirit, like, no, no. And I had good girlfriends who were launching books left and right. And they were doing the summits and they had the screens with everybody on. And I was like, oh, I'm going to like, I had that idea before I even saw them do it. Right. But it's like, oh, I want to do this. And I just kept feeling like, no, something in my spirit. And it was like, well, you can charge tickets and you can do this and you can make this much. And it's like, yeah, but I don't. I don't, I don't think I'm purposed to do that in this season. Maybe that's another book, another time, but not right now. Don't you know the weekend that I would have been having that event, that Friday, my mom had a stroke in California and I had to immediately adjust and shift everything, cancel things. And my brother and I head to California to go take care of her. And I was there for several weeks. I say that to say, had I not trusted my spirit, when my spirit said no i would have had thousands of people a whole event like that i needed to show up for all these people i'd have to pour into the money that could potentially have to be refunded i mean i just thought oh my gosh this is why i didn't know what was coming i made the decision to not move forward in october but this happened in march how would i know <laughs> you know 6 months before but the reason that I make time, that time to be still, to be quiet, to journal, to pray, to meditate is so that I am in touch with what is my spirit telling me. I think we get so caught up in being busy and going for more and more and more and making more money and all this stuff that when I when you hear someone like me say, well, you know, you have to listen to yourself. Some of us don't even know what that means because even our quiet time is filled with music and Audiobooks And, you know, we're so personal development driven right now that there's just always something on, but there's no time to ever sit still and go, but well, what do I want? I build in thinking time on my calendar on Wednesdays. I have a couple hours where it's just thinking time. I just sit, sit in, like get a cup of coffee or tea. And I just literally think about nothing, girl, it's just whatever pops in my head. <laughs> like I just allow myself to go explore, but we don't have time to think. So we just get caught up in the doing what seems like it's the best thing, but a lot of us have received advice that's not even in, a, in alignment with what we're assigned to do. So we're going off with our mom and our dad and what other people thought, but we don't know what is that really for us. And that's what I really, to me, redefining wealth is about exploring what you need to do to be well, not what everybody else thinks. It's different for all of us.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, for the, and I know I'm like going so far, our our conversation, I lo- I'm loving it so much <laughs> that I've completely like gone off the questions for the most <laughs> part that I made so much better than what I plan on talking about. But um, I'm kind of curious along the same lines of what we were just talking about. Someone who is caught up in that hustle, because mm-hmm. it is, you know, pervasive of that's how you get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the the message of you know you got to hustle, you got to keep going. Someone who is caught up in that, and maybe you even talked about how how you were in that hustle mindset mm-hmm. at one point. What are some things that you did, or what are some things that you know someone else could do to bring themselves from that point of go go go, do the next thing, you know, plan the next thing. What else can I do to? get to where I want to be and get to the top. How do we go from that to a place of, I don't know, presence, fulfillment, um, purpose?
1: Yeah. So in in my latest book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, there's a bunch of like mini lessons, M-I-N-I lessons. There's over a hundred. But I always say, based on what pillar you feel like you're struggling in, you could literally open that book up and just choose one. Like, I'm just going to start here. But, I, but one of the things that I do when I feel myself slipping into the grind mentality, because let's face it, like you said, it's very pervasive in our culture. Um, if you were raised here in the U.S., you've been raised to hustle and grind. You've been raised to do the most and do all the things, right? Um, what I've learned to do is when I feel myself slipping into that, take out a sheet of paper and write, what's important now? What's important now? And then I always, W-I-N right? What's, what's important now. And then I just give myself an opportunity to think through the pillars and then define again, reassess what is important now about my fit pillar, right? For me, it's a commitment to biweekly, to, to biweekly therapy, like I'm always in someone's therapy for maintenance, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, I don't want to wait until my life falls apart and then go, oh, I need to find a therapist. I want to already have someone that's a trusted confidant at that point. So it's a commitment to therapy. When I moved back here to Atlanta about two years ago, that was what's, what was important. Find a quality therapist, date how many you, however many you have to date until you find the person that you feel like can grow with you on this journey. Um But also physically, what's important to me is taking care of my physical body because I know what it's like to run myself into the ground. And I've made a commitment that I don't want to live like that in my 40s. Now, I want to be the best that I've ever been. Right. I don't want to be like, oh, my 20s were my best years. So what so what does that mean? That means that I have to schedule in the gym. I don't squeeze it in. It's on it's on my calendar just as important as this interview was. Hour block there, hour block here, right? It's not, oh, if I get to it. Um, so I go through each pillar and get back to reminding myself like what's actually important right now. And once I start writing those things down, it allows me to see that a lot of stuff that's on my calendar ain't important. Mm. They're, they're not even that important. It's busy work. It's stuff to say that I did, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back and go, man, I did a lot of stuff. I'm not gonna remember half the junk that could be slapped on my calendar if I wasn't present to that. I'm gonna remember the stories of people that I impacted. You know, those stories I carry with me, that's what fulfills me. That's why I don't care about buying purses and shoes and all that. I have nice stuff. I live in a nice home. I drive a nice car, but nice things don't have me. What has my attention is the impact that I have on other people, right? So at the end of my life, I'm not gonna really be sitting up thinking about my Chanel bag. I'm going to be thinking about, you know, I remember when this girl Carly sent me an email and said that she finally bought a home after listening to me and never thought that she would be able to do it. Or someone filed bankruptcy and thought their life was over. And then they heard my story and got back up. And those are the things that I imagine are going to allow me to leave with peace. Right. So I'm always coming back to what's important now. And then when I look at my calendar and I look at what I've been doing the last couple of weeks, if weeks, if, if I'm saying this is what's important, then what the heck is all that? And then I just start pruning and cutting. And that is it's one of the best exercises to give you the guts to use your no. Especially as parents. I think that as a mother. What was important for me was quality time with Reagan. Signing up to be on PTA and everything else under the sun was a vanity thing. It was more like, I want people to know that I can still do this, even though they see me out there doing that. So now I'm on all these damn subcommittees and I'm like doing all this stuff. And they're like, can you bring this to the, I'm like, I don't even cook. I don't bake. I'm not doing any of that. Right. It's like, what was actually important was quality time with Reagan not trying to present some facade that I'm a superwoman and I can do it all for the other ladies in you know the other moms in the classroom. I'm not doing that. I did it though. I did it. So when I wasn't being present, it was the thing that I thought would soothe my mom guilt. Because it looked good, but it wasn't what was right for me. That's not how I show up. That's not that's not my role in this whole matrix. And Whenever I tap back into what's important now, I look at, am I, am I actually wasting time doing things that are not even really that important? And then I start to cut.
0: So good. And I, I just love that, that you gave that example, because obviously there are people who are finding purpose in those things and Mm -hmm. you are finding purpose in other places and you cannot do all of the things right so there are it's the idea of being in your lane and running in that lane versus trying to you know fill all the other lanes when when there are people
1: meant for that lane yeah cuz we exhaust ourselves like we exhaust ourselves trying to force ourselves to fit into these boxes that we were never born to go in. Like I, I'm not very domestic, right? Like you don't want me to cook you a meal. It's <laughs> it's not going to be done with love. I I forget what it is. I looked it up one time. I'm like, is there such thing as a phobia when it comes to cooking? I don't <laughs> mind eating, but cooking stresses me out. Like I'm all of a sudden I'm reading, you know, the recipe, and it's like I'm illiterate like nothing makes sense. I don't, I can't understand. I start sweating. My pits are going, my stomach's turning. This is just to make a simple meal. Cause it's not my thing. Right. But then my husband will go in the cabinets and I'll be like, well, we need to go to the grocery store and he will MacGyver like the most amazing meal. He can turn nothing into something and he enjoys it. He's spinning around. He's got an apron. He's dancing. He's doing all this stuff when I accepted that the gender role, right. That we were told when we first got married, like people were like, well, you're going to have to start cooking. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to have to start cooking. I didn't cook when we dated. Why would I have to cook now? Does he think I'm going to start cooking? I should start (laughs) cooking. I want you, you know, I stress myself out. And finally it was like, he said, why are you doing that? Like cooking is my thing. I'm fine with that. And so when we started to like tear down these, um, expectations that come from freaking out of nowhere about what we should do, those expectations will exhaust you. The mom who is like PTA president and she loves it and she is gung-ho to be at the school every day, girl, more power to you. I wish I had that. I don't have that thing, right? But it's not my thing to have. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we can, again, like let that go and just embrace what is naturally our thing, oh my gosh, the, the ease and grace that you can experience, the way that your life just starts to flow. And now you open up the space to create wealth, however you define it. So, so good. Well, I've... Just absolutely love
0: this conversation and been so encouraged by you. Um, so thank you so much. I know so many others are going to feel the same way when, when uh, they hear this, but I do have two questions that I ask every guest before we go. Mm-hmm. So the first one, and these are kind of for fun, but the first one is, um, I think, I think that we covered a lot of this, but I'm still going to ask it and, and you can just pick one thing. Um, what is one way that you choose intention in your everyday life?
1: one way I choose intention in my everyday life is to really block my calendar based on the things that matter most to me in that season.
0: Yeah, that's so good. The, the second question is, like I said, just for fun, but what's something that you're loving
1: right now? Oh, what's something that I'm loving right now? Crumble cookies. Oh, I am loving (laughs) my daughter's obsessed with crumble cookies. We watch the TikToks every week to see what new flavors are coming out. And then on the weekends as a reward, we go grab one and we do we don't post it, but it's actually really funny. We do our own like taste testing um, type of thing at the kitchen counter. And it's just another way for us to be present together and have something funny to do together. And um, it's a great reward. It's a great reward. So I love crumble cookies. That's
0: so fun. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much again. Um, I am so
1: grateful that we got to have this conversation today. I am too. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. And I hope it encouraged you and met you where you're at and helped you reflect on your passion, what's important to you, what's important now. I love that practice that Patrice mentioned towards the end of our talk together. Sometimes I add a little challenge here at the end, just one way that we can apply this episode to our actual lives and something that maybe I'm going to do to apply it to my actual life. And so I wanted to do that for this episode. If you are feeling overwhelmed with life right now, which I can just admit right now that this January has felt, I don't know if it was not so much as overwhelming, but just dreary and hard to get through. And we are luckily at the end of it, but it feels like a really good time. It feels like a really good time to reflect on the idea of what's important now and maybe think about what is taking up all of your time? What is taking up the space in your brain versus what's important now? And how can we kind of chip away at those other things or take them off our plate in some way if possible, or just let them go a little bit so that we can focus on maybe the things that matter most. Patrice definitely said it more eloquently than me, the way that she does this practice in her own life. So I recommend, you know, if, if you miss that part or you need to listen to it again, go back and do that because it just was really impactful, at least for me. Thank you again for being here. A reminder that you can find any and all links that I talked about today, including my free guide to minimalism and intentional living. You can find links to all of that in the show notes, which you can either find kind of on your podcast app, or you can go to desireeendries.com slash with intention slash 124 One last thing, if you are enjoying the podcast and you want to help support it, the best thing you can do is just leave a positive rating and review that helps get the show in front of more eyes. And I'm super grateful for you for doing that. And then sharing it, sharing it with a friend, sharing it on social media, that always helps as well to invite more people into this community. Thank you for all the ways you support With Intention, which includes just listening in. And I look forward to talking to you right back here again on the next episode. Seeking the truth never gets old.